Welcome to Voices from the Grassroots. This is your host, Clay Haran, coming to you from Asheville, North Carolina. This episode, I will be sitting down with Jason Plato Wellman. Jason, aka Plato, is a community organizer and performance artist based out of Eugene, Oregon. And I wanted to get Plato on the show because I think he has an infectious passion for being involved and using his voice for change. And Voices from the Grassroots is about inspiring people to be involved in their community. So I thought it was fitting to get him on the show, and I'm happy to have him here. Thank you for being on the show, Plato. Good to see you. Good to see you, Clay. I'm always curious to hear what brings people to become community organizers and activists. Like what made you choose that field or that activity? Yeah, I feel like it's numerous threads of my life that have woven together over time. So like we can start with the psychological aspect and then I'll tell a few narrative based like uh, reasons why I became an activist. But uh, the psychological aspect is maybe even a, a little bit of selfishness, but it's like, you know, I, I don't like to experience unnecessary pain and unnecessary injustice. And it bothers me to witness it. And so like, if I'm in a scene with it, I'm going to try to do like what I can to fix it. Knowing like I can't cure all the world's ills or pains but there's a lot of unnecessary pain that I can put effort into changing. And so that's kind of like the psychological motivation. I think of a few like little stories, like one, I, uh, when I was like 20 years old, I got in a lot of legal trouble. I got caught with like a bunch of drugs and uh, a gun and a, a bunch of stuff. I was just like not on a, on a great path for myself. And I got in a bunch of trouble, so I had to, like, really lay low and just, like, pay off fines and work. And uh, I ended up studying abroad, moving moving over to Asia. But I came back to America after living in Asia. I was like, I need to redefine myself. I need to pick out a new scene. I knew I couldn't go and hang out with the same crew of people and the same characters. That cast would have just led me back into bad decisions. And so... I saw this like flyer on a bulletin board one day and it was like, uh, join a anti-Iraq war pro-peace rally meeting and, and help organize this rally. And I don't know, I just like felt inspired to show up to the meeting. I showed up and everybody there was like talking about all these like facts about why we don't want the war and why the war is bad and I was like yeah all these facts are really great I love these facts it, it proves that it's really unreasonable and illogical uh, from an analytical perspective to be fighting a war in Iraq but I was like we need to speak to people's hearts so I was like nobody's speaking to any hearts I was like can I speak and I don't know I, you know that just like came out of me I didn't I never did public speaking before and they said, yeah, I think they said, yeah, because I was like young, I was like 20 years old and showing up at the meeting and enthusiastic. And so they let me speak. And uh, I, I said a poem that I didn't write. It was uh, written by Miriam Williamson, actually, the Let Your Light Shine poem that was made famous by Nelson Mandela. He uh, read it at his inauguration. 
And it's this poem, I'll, I'll share it because it's like one minute, it goes, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond all measure. So it is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. And we ask ourselves, who are we to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? But actually, who are we not to be? Your plain small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking down so that other people don't feel insecure around you. See, we were born to wake manifest the glory of God that is within us. And it's not just in some of us, it's in all of us. So as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we become liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So I read this poem and it, it went really well and people were like, yeah, I feel that. And so that was like my first public performance, my first protest experience. A couple years later, I'm living in Eugene, about two years later. And I'm living in Eugene. I don't know that many people. I just moved to town. And I hear that Occupy Wall Street happened. I was so excited. I took the day off from my shitty uh, pumping gas job. And uh, shout out to all the people who have to pump gas. Much love to you. <laughs> so I took the day off that job. And uh, I, I made this like flyer with my partner. And it was like, why are you begging for change on the street? You could go to like Wall Street and demand change or demand change in our community. And I just like passed out flyers all day. So inspired by Occupy Wall Street. Then I hear the Occupy Eugene was starting. I joined this little club called, or this group, committee, called the Morale Committee. And I joined them because they looked like they could use some help. It was like four people. And so I was like, I'm going to join Morale. I was going to join like our journalism media outreach team. But I joined uh, Morale. And we had like one little meeting. We talked about making some uh, posters to hand out at the rally to begin Occupy Eugene. And uh, the fourth Occupy Eugene meeting happens then. And they ask for an update from the morale committee. And like, I'm like trying to encourage the morale committee people come up and nobody would like go stand up in front of the assembly. It's like 150, 200 people. And I guess they were a little shy or reserved. And I didn't want to go up because I felt like I just moved to Eugene. I didn't really know anybody. I even know my way around town. And, uh, I couldn't get anybody from morale to come up. And so like, I was like, I stood up in front of the uh, committee and I was like, yo, my name's Plato. I'm not sure fully what's going on, but I'm here to support and uh, I want to help out. And right after I got done speaking, Lauren Regan uh, from CLDC approached me and she was like, you're going to MC our rally. And I was like, what? And she's like, unless you know anybody else. And the rally was like three days away. I was like, I don't know anybody. <laughs> so like, uh, I showed up to the rally three days later and there's like 2,000 people there. And uh, I did really good. I jumped around, rah, rah, rah. Did my cheerleader mm -hmm. for the revolution type of thing. Screaming chants. And uh, I did well. And after that, I was just very well known in Eugene. And it's the momentum's kept going from there six five six years later yeah so what have you worked on like what what organizations have you worked with and what issues are you the most passionate about i've worked on a lot of issues and i used to just like 
joined everything I could, every cause, everything that came my way. I'd be like, yeah. And then I, I realized I got really scattered. And it's hard not to be scattered. Look all over the world. You can find a problem that needs to be addressed. Like the social rights issues, the environmental issues, they're just so many of them that you can address. And so I was trying to do that and really scattered. At one point, I was like, I think I just need to, to kind of rain, pull my reins in and focus for a while on, on like one cause. And, and maybe I'll be a more effective activist if I just narrow myself in and, and really focus. And uh, Occupy Eugene was still going, but we had, we'd lost our main camp. And there was like these little offshoot camps that would happen. And uh, there's an offshoot camp on the courthouse um, steps one winter, 2013, and or 14, I don't know. And uh, this committee or this group of people, and they were they were actually homeless, and they're friends of mine. They had this meeting, and they were like, "We gotta address activism in a different way." And uh, it was like four of them, and they're like. Let's let's do gardening. Gardening is a great way to address activism because, like, ev- we all share the earth, and everybody needs to eat. And so they have this little meeting. I think it was on Christmas or Christmas Eve, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll start this gardening club." And so, like, then the second meeting was at my house, and we gathered about twenty people, and we formed the Eugene Avant Gardeners. And our idea is we can use the garden as a spot, as a place to do community organizing that addresses a myriad of issues. So, so we use the garden to create family. And that's our family around the farm. So we're bringing people together. Special emphasis is placed on bringing people together from different walks of life, different backgrounds. And, uh, we bring these people together to engage in, in projects and, and you find that when you bring people together, like you address like loneliness, you address fear of the other, you address othering as an issue. And you can have really great conversations working on a project where at the end of the day, you can look and you can be like, I transformed this space. Yesterday, I was out at the People's Garden. This is a project that we started uh, last year, for example. and it was grass a year and a half ago and it was just grass doing nothing but growing grass. Now it is this big garden and we're growing food for burrito brigade. Burrito brigade is this organization that hands out burritos to anybody that wants a burrito on Sundays in Eugene. Mm -hmm. They just ride bikes around town, handing out burritos Mm -hmm. uh, to give a lot to homeless people and stuff. And so we started the People's Garden. And at the end of the work party, uh, we all looked at these boxes of tomatoes and peppers and eggplants that we were going to donate to uh, Burrito Brigade. And so it's like, you feel good. You're like, wow, we did that. We grew this food. We can see the change that we are addressing. And then also we like garden in a very like eco-friendly, sustainable way. We make sure to plants like bee friendly plants plants that are good for hummingbirds we we 
focus on biodynamic and permacultural techniques to really be environmentally sustainable. And it's like by growing gardens and transforming Eugene into a place with more gardens or connecting gardeners or helping turn people's private lawns into gardens, we are addressing food security, we are addressing sustainability. And so for the past few years, I've primarily been focused on the gardening kind of tangent. Um, but in the last year, I've also been working on um, the Downtown Youth Initiative in Eugene. And that's really about harm reduction model for changing, addressing problematic issues in a cityscape in a way that is not arresting people and getting out of that criminal paradigm. So I, were, I mentor at-risk youth and uh, what we do is we build relationships with them and then we're a doorway. And when they're ready to walk through that doorway to a better life, well, what do you need? A job? What do you need? Like housing? Where work on that? Like two days ago, I spent a couple hours just helping this youth like apply to some jobs and filling out paperwork and design a resume. And we talked about like interview etiquette. And it's just like offering a hand up to those that need it. And, you know, we're not out there arresting people for smoking pot or whatever little crimes that they do. And we break up fights peacefully and, and nobody gets in trouble. And so I've been working on that in the past year. Uh, through the city of Eugene. Ironically enough, a couple years ago, this is a little story that's kind of funny. A couple years ago, the city of Eugene was going to take away Heasy Square. And Eugene's in this interesting space because we have this very big legacy from the hippies, from the merry pranksters, the 60s. And it's very alive in this town. But we also have a lot of people that don't really like the idea of Eugene as this countercultural, anarchist, hippie haven. And they're not from that vibe, and they're not feeling that. And so there's a lot of people that are combating. You know, there's this push and pull for, like, the future of our uh, community and the identity of our community. We're expecting a huge influx of people in the next 10 or 20 years, and we're really thinking, what kind of city do we want to become for this influx of people? And so, like, you have these culture wars. For example, the Wayne Morris Free Speech Plaza was taken – they took away the Free Speech Plaza name. Just, like, little stuff like that. So at one point, they're – Changed the name from Kesey Square to Broadway Plaza. There wasn't much fight back on that. But then a few months later, they're like, we're going to take away this space and put a high-rise apartment building for like uh, upper middle-class young professionals, i.e. like kind of a gentrification type of move. Um, I believe there's a good space and use for bringing in uh, – you know, that, that kind of scene, upper middle class, uh, young professionals, I think they're valuable and we should have them in our community. But uh, also, like, I don't think we should get rid of our only free public space because, like, that's a space that traditionally a free public space is a place where it's a release valve for the community. We have a long tradition in America of, like, that type of space being where the soapboxers, you know, people in the 1800s would, like, stand up on their soapbox and talk politics on the weekend, and people would gather downtown and, like, argue and debate politics in the free, in the free speech uh, zones. 
And like you go to any European city and talk to a European developer and they talk about the value of these like open spaces. And so that's our only one in Eugene and they tried to take it away. And so we formed this big protest uh, movement around it. it became the closest thing Eugene had to another Occupy movement since Occupy. And the city ultimately backed away. But the reason, part of the reason the city is wanting to do this is because down there you have all these like gutter punk traveler kids like selling rocks and spanging with their dogs. And, you know, <laughs> it's, it's off-putting to some people. I totally get that. And I totally get how some people get uncomfortable by it. And that's just a fact of the situation. Mm-hmm. But I also think that these peop- the city belongs to the people. And also, you know, I think that some people do want help or change. And so, like, I joked with the the city at one of these city council meetings, and I told the mayor, I was like, y'all are going about this all wrong. You're just, like, arresting people. They get caught up in this loop, and you're not, like, then they're getting institutionalized. I was like, you know what you should do? You should pay me 15 bucks an hour to hang out downtown spreading good vibes. I'm uh, getting paid 15 bucks an hour to spread good vibes. So, like, yeah, working with the youth and the gardening is uh, the main activist endeavors for me at this point in my life. Yeah, that's something that I wish people did more is they have, if you have a good idea for how your city could change or something that could happen in your city, go and participate. Go to a town hall and say something about it, and it could result in, like, maybe you getting a job or some change actually happening. Like, we we could be more democratic. Our society could be, if people did things like that, like go and participate in local politics. So I think that that's cool that that, that ended up happening. Yeah, I definitely would encourage people to, to just, like, go out there and act on their ideas. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, you're going to learn from your failure and that failure will inform you for your next idea. So that's good. That's good to fail sometimes. And it's good to stick with an idea because like you and I could sit here right now and we could come up with 10,000 ideas to change the world for the better. And we could spend the rest of our lifetimes trying to actualize one idea for how to change the world. So find it, stick with it. Unless it's absolute failure, then let it teach you so that the next project is more successful or the next idea that you act upon. And about Avant Gardeners, how does, how does the organization work? Like if somebody in another city wanted to copy the, that y'all's model of how you do that, what, like what, how would you describe it to them? Yeah, so we're actually putting together a zine this winter after the harvest season on how to start an avant-gardener chapter. Because, uh, yeah, we, we want this to be an exportable model. And so that means it's, like, more organized along values than, like, procedures. And the reason I say that is because every community or city is going to be a little bit different. And so you need to have space for that variability. Now, our values, though, is like we're a non-commercial organization. So it's like, you know, this isn't a capitalist endeavor. And so if uh, Asheville, North Carolina wants to start Avant Gardeners, like we would be like, yo, like, don't don't try to sell stuff. Like, it, this is a business. If you want to start a gardening business, that's fine. 
but please don't call it the avant gardeners that associate with us because we're not doing that. We work by consensus. So, uh, you know, that our decisions are all made on a group basis. It's a little slow. It's challenging at times, but it's also really rewarding and empowering at times. And so we value that empowering of everybody because it's really a model where it's really a platform where people can come in and be empowered. And that's, that's the goal is that people can show up to a meeting and be like, I have this idea. What if, what if we grow perennial kales starts and we give out 300 uh, kale starts next year that people can grow and that will grow all year long. And we'll go, great. What can we do to make that a reality? And somebody in the meeting might be like, you know what? I got some extra vermiculite. And somebody else might be like, I like this idea. I'll come over and help you plant them all. And then that's how it goes. Or sometimes somebody's like, yo, let's transform that field into a garden. And the group's like, I don't know if that's in our capacity to do, <laughs> you know? So, mm -hmm. uh, but the idea is like anybody can come up with a project and anybody's empowered to do it as long as it fits on these values of like, uh, we want our gardening to be very sustainable. You know, we don't want people to spray neonicotinoids and pesticides in their gardening endeavors because that's going to kill the bees and the bees are very important in our ecology. So there's like certain values that we push and it's like, as long as you adhere to the values, use your imagination, creation and uh, run with it. I feel like if you, if you really want me to answer this question, I could talk for the rest of the meeting about, <laughs> you know, like how we would start an avant-gardener chapter. So I want to be conscious of that, not just. Yeah, I think that we need more democratic spaces like that in our society. And I think we're out of practice because when I've been in spaces like that, I, people don't have the, the values often to effectively participate in that. People get emotional, they get hung up on, on certain issues, and making a collective decision is almost made impossible by people's attitudes. So that I've, I've experienced that personally, and it's made me be more cynical about the possibility of democracy. But, but that's why I'm saying we need to do it for the practice, because cause like I was just thinking the other day, I was like, when was the last time me and a group of people sat down and collectively made a decision about how to manage a resource or like ask your friends like when was the last time they did that people are like oh i mean i don't i don't do that like i have a job where it's like there's somebody telling me what to do or so i think that the practice is really important absolutely it is that was the the main downfall internally or the main internal flaw of the Occupy movement from my experience was like, we didn't know how to make decisions with 200 people in a room. And then we would spend fucking, sorry for cussing, we would spend hours like debating cigarette smokers and where to put <laughs> the cigarette smokers. As like, we're trying to create a huge social movement. We can't be spending three hours frustrated just trying to figure out where the smokers go. You know, like... So that that's that practice process is definitely some we definitely need to practice the process. Avant gardeners, there have been a few times where like 
we've had came really close to becoming a 501c3, a formal 501c3. And we've had organizations offer, two different other organizations offer to put us in our umbrella. We've had our organizations offer to give us money. But we come from a very anarchist background. And so we've never been able to achieve full, complete consensus. Three incredibly intense different summers we've had this happen out of six. Um, and we've never been able to fully get that consensus. So we're still like not a formal 501c3. And for me, I wish we were a formal 501c3. And I tell people all the time, you know, I've been an activist for 10 years now or more. You got to be patiently persistent. And uh, that's, that's one of the most important values is, is just being patient but persistent and, and try to be mellow about it and smile about it. Uh, if you need to, take out your aggression on the blackberry weeds that are being too aggressive themselves. I've got to have some release valve. But patiently persistent. Yeah, that's the mindset that people need to practice, I think, in though in like democratic spaces like that is there's a zen to cooperating. Totally. It's funny real fast thinking about because we live in such a digital era, a technological era. I think the pace of life is faster at 2018 than it was in 1950 or something, you know? And so like we're working against that trend that's happening. What the average attention span now is eight seconds with the new generation they're claiming. And so it's like, we're going right up against that stream, but it's valuable. It's important to do. Well, yeah, you got any, uh, you got any last words for, for the people? My name's Plato. You can find me on the internet. P L A E D O. <laughs> Thank you, Clay. This was fun. Where can, where can people find more info about Avant Gardeners? And we have a Facebook page at the moment. You just type in Eugene Avant Gardeners. It's got like, 2200 people and uh, it's a great place for people to share information if you live in the eugene area it's a great place for people to also share goods and if you don't you can create a facebook page for Asheville, north carolina and, and start inviting other green thumbs and plant nerds you know to like share ideas problem solving like people will be like how do you kill this bug i don't know and so it's a good community resource you can contact me on my website, plaedo.com. There's like a contact me button and uh, just send me an email. It, it might take me a week or two, but I will get back. I promise that and uh, help you out. And that does it for this episode of Voices from the Grassroots. This is your host, Clay Haran, signing out. 